Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by 90 Min's transfer correspondent Graham Bailey and 90 Min's top cat Toby Cudworth after quite the weekend of Premier League football and another weekend coming up of Premier League football, which should hit us pretty hard. Uh, as a Manchester United fan, I'm very happy. Graham, how are you doing? I'm doing good, yes. You'll be delighted to see Michael Carrick romping his way through the Championship, Scott, as well. Um, could, could you just give us an update on how Middlesbrough are doing? We, uh, after we, yeah, we looked out with some being hammered off Brighton. Although the weekend football being smashed, being smashed off Brighton is nothing to be ashamed of, as Liverpool know, know too well. And so, yeah, the Brighton one, I think Brighton did us a favour in the cup. You know, it's all that's where we want to go. We're now up to fourth place. Unfortunately, it looks like the top two, Sheffield United and Burnley, may be out of reach. But hey, Mike, he's he's won eight out of eleven games since he took over, so it's been a fantastic impact he's made. Are you preparing for playoff heartbreak, Graham? Or... Yeah, you know Wembley is not a happy hunting ground for me, Scott. I've seen um, I've seen my team um, seven times, which is what two uh, eight times two England. One, my best friend, was captain of Shrewsbury, and I think four or five Middlesbrough. I've never seen my team win at Wembley. Maybe that could change this year if if Borough so, yeah. keep it going. I've got Super a, Michael I've got, a, I've got a dreadful Wembley record. I really do. Anyway, uh, not so good for Toby Cudworth's team, West Ham, at the moment. Pretty dreadful for West Ham, right? Is how I'd sum it up. But even though we've lost six out of seven, I have seen West Ham win at Wembley. Gee, ten years ago, Ricardo Vazte. Those were uh, days that I did enjoy, but it's pretty bleak right now. You've also seen David Moyes appear on the Diary of the CEO podcast, which is yeah, which is quite the. I did not expect that. <laughs> Interesting timing, isn't it, to say the least? And I dare say Moyes probably didn't have much of a say on when that was dropped. But yeah, he's fighting for his job, and for that podcast to come out perhaps wasn't ideal timing for him, and uh, definitely not for the club either. Good time to release that he was in, he was offered Alvarez but didn't fancy him. <laughs> just, there's, there's a spear, just dig a deeper hole. Because he had Mickey Antonio. Uh, well, we are paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you are here, I'm guessing, if you're listening, to hear about all the latest on the transfers. We're mid-January transfer window. Of course, we've already seen Chelsea go crazy because that's Chelsea at the moment. How many clubs will go crazy with spending remains to be seen. There are some clubs who need to do a bit of business this month, but I think a lot of this and a lot of what we might talk about today is more summer orientated. There's a long, most clubs long-term plan. They do this, do things at the end of a season, start of a new season. Uh, so we'll talk today, Harry Kane, to top the show. Uh, that's more of a summer thing. Can't see Harry Kane leaving Spurs this month, even though I'm guessing <laughs> might not be the worst thing for him. Pedro Porro is on Spurs' agenda. That might be this month. We'll talk that. We'll talk Jude Bellingham. We'll talk Mukoko. We'll talk Declan Rice to Arsenal. We'll talk Moyes, Hakim Ziyech and Newcastle, uh, Ruben Neves, some Brighton players, Trossard, March, Colwell, Caicedo. We'll talk Chelsea as well because we have to. And we'll do some other Premier League uh, housekeeping as well later in the show. But yes, uh, you can subscribe on all your major podcast platforms to Talking Transfers and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey. If you want all of the latest from 90min and also visit 90min.com as well to keep up to date with all of uh, the breaking news around football transfers and this kind of thing. Let's talk Harry Kane to start with because uh, Sean Walsh, who's out on a... Unfortunately, can't join us today. He's out on a shoot. 
Uh, Harry Kane is at the center of talk about his future again because it seems to happen every 18 months, every two years. And Spurs are not doing very well at the moment. Graham, I'm going to come to you here because, uh, you know, Spurs, pathetic first half performance in the North London derby. That's pretty much what we come to expect from them. People were thinking Spurs would get third place this year. I know they're only fifth in the league or something like that. They're technically not really too far away from the top four, but the way things are going on the pitch at the moment does not suggest everything's rosy. Uncertainty over Antonio Conte. He has a contract which expires at the end of the season with an option, but is is that going to be triggered? And what happens with Harry Kane? Because he's got 18 months left on his deal. Is he happy at Spurs, Graham? Like, he's a Tottenham fan. As of today, he's, he's not happy at all. Obviously, he saw... I think the weekend's game will have hit him hard, you know. It, it's, it's it's not just a matter of they got beat. They, they got absolutely played off the park by Arsenal. The the gap between these two teams now, I don't think any of us saw this coming. I can't remember. I was trying to think there. Did I put Tottenham in my top four start of the season? I said, I, they were in the round there, obviously, but I can't remember whether I did, but... It, it, it's, it's a huge frustration and, and I get Spurs to come in together because they're all feeling frustrated they're all annoyed they all want to know what's happening with the manager and they all want to know what's happening with Harry Kane yeah, 18, only 18 months left on his contract now Scott it, and it'll be we're reporting that Bayern Munich still holding interest they haven't had that, found that Lewandowski replacement yet you know it's less than 12 months until he can sign a pre-contract with Bayern Munich on a possible Bosman if he wished it's Really interesting this situation, but we can confirm Bayern still think he, in an ideal world, they would sign Harry Kane this summer. He's the one they really want. No, it's going to be hard to get a player from England. It always is. Um, he's under contract. In terms of value, we're told that Bayern see him in the £50, £60 million pound mark, which, no, they've got that um, situation what handled with Lewandowski. But when it comes to the summer, he had 12 months left and he went for just over 40 million, wasn't it? So in that respect, if Lundowski's worth 40, 34, Kane at what, 29, 30, 60 is probably about right. But obviously... With I Premier would interrupt clubs, and say, is it is it fair to say that Daniel Levy doesn't agree with that? I, But I think what you have to consider is if if uh, and I see where you're going with Scott, you're desperate for Manchester United to sign Harry. I'm Kane. not actually. I I, <laughs> I saw Victor Osman rip Juventus apart the other day, and in, wow. indeed, and that's the thing with Kane, where he does have a huge wage packet to go along with his fee. Where Osman might be very similar, but he does not have the wage packet of Harry Kane. And clubs do have to consider this, you know. And and Kane, I think, do does Dan would Daniel Levy sell him to a Premier League rival? You know, he's had a lot of talks with United in the last ten years. Would he rather him go to Bayern Munich? Maybe with a buyback to come back. It's a really interesting situation, Harry Kane. And obviously, the line we're getting from Tottenham is they want him to sign a new contract. They're fairly confident from what we're garnering from Martin, but how can they be? You know what? What is unless the only the only thing that keeps coming out is oh he wants wants to set a Premier League goal scoring record. Really. He doesn't want a chance for Champions League trophies at Bayern Munich for two or three years and then come back to the Premier League again where he can still have another few seasons. I I just think it makes all the sense in the world for me. But we know Bayern like him and want him, but but they know it's going to be difficult. I, I and I'd like him to go. I think I think he would be an ideal fit for Bayern Munich. I'm a bit biased. I think he'd be a great fit there. I'd love to see him at Bayern Munich. I really would. Toby, feel free to absolutely shut me down here and say you're getting far too ahead of yourself. But does Harry Kane 
have the opportunity to challenge for European titles if Man United get things right and they want him. Yeah, and he can get the Premier League goal scoring record in the process. Very much an if, isn't it? If you look at United right now, you would say they are trending in the right direction, but that's one or two steps into a 15, 16 step project. They're a long way from competing for the Premier League title, I still think. Um, Europe is a completely different kettle of fish. Um, look, Bayern's guaranteed success, and as Graham's alluded to there, is what does Kane want? Does he want to finish his career with a Premier League? goal-scoring record, or does he want to win trophies? Bayern will give him guaranteed trophies immediately. Manchester United could give Harry Kane... How much How much of an achievement is that, though, really? Well, that, that's what I was sat there thinking when Graham was speaking. Like, winning the Bundesliga for Bayern is so simple. You know, Dortmund are their nearest challengers most seasons. There's Leipzig, but they're not on the same scale as Bayern. And it's just... It just kind of drift off into the abyss for me for a couple of years and we'd only get to see the real Harry Kane in the Champions League. Um, and there's plenty of good teams in the Champions League, so there's nothing to say that Bayern, as strong as they are, would be able to win that competition. Um, so for me, I think Kane is... He likes the idea of staying to break that goal record and win trophies, of course. I'm not sure United are positioned yet to be able to convince him come the end of the season, if they've secured a top three finish, it might be a different conversation. But as of right now, there's probably still a bit of work to do for United to convince Kane that that would be the right next step. Um, One thing that is for sure is that Spurs or staying at Spurs is not looking like the right next step for him. He's got to leave and do something new. Is it, is it fair to suggest, and I've said this in other places that, if Spurs don't achieve Champions League football this season, they are literally reversing back to where they started years ago. Maybe maybe a little bit ahead, further ahead than where they were with Pochettino when, when he came in. But you need a new manager. Conte will go to another European giant in the next year, you'd think. Harry Kane and all your goals disappear if you don't get Champions League football. Hugo Lloris is 36, and by evidence of North London derby and previous mistakes, he's finished. There's already, as we've reported, interest from Spurs and other goalkeepers. They have no creativity in midfield, really. Maybe Tottenham fans will disagree with that, but Son is 30, 31, and is looking in the worst form of his life <laughs> at the moment, since or since he's got to Spurs. There's a lot to fix here for Spurs, and that is pretty much ground-up job rebuild, isn't it? Which suggests to me that they are... If, if they, they haven't... I know they spent money, but they haven't indicated that they would like to compete with the likes of Chelsea and the likes of Man City. They, they just don't have that ambition. Even Spurs fans will level it at them that they're just happy to go in the top four and just go. And if they continue on that mold and lose these players in the process and have to rebuild from there... They are already, even after that rebuild, going to still be behind the teams who are challenging for the league title. And Newcastle are now in the mix as well. Are they to the beginning? I, I think it's slightly harsh because I think the way you look at it is, you know, you've got Brazil's number nine there and they've never used Richarlison properly. Do you, do, you, do you sell, move Kane on and give Richarlison a chance to prove he's a world-class number nine? Possibly. Yeah, they are lacking a little bit midfield, but that's one player. They've got... 
Romero, world class centre half, in my opinion. I think I think possibly there are two or three away, Scott. You know, I think there are maybe a, a goalkeeper, a number ten, like a Madison type player. I, I don't think they're a million miles away. And I think that's the frustration for Spurs. They thought they were going to be a lot closer this year with Perisic on the left and etc. I think they're two or three away, but it's easier said than done. As we said, a lot of teams are two and three signings away, aren't they? And we've seen that happen. But I think, you know, now with Richarlison, I think, could be a world-class number nine. We've seen it for Brazil. He he was one of the best strikers at the World Cup. Do you now think, let's take the money for Kane, go with Richarlison and see what happens? I think that's a possibility. I think Spurs are quite hard to judge at the moment because they're so negative. Conte's tactics are so negative. These first-half performances are just baffling, though, Toby. how, how, How can you keep being so awful in the first half of games? I said on another pod last week, I said if I was a Spurs fan, I wouldn't tune in until halftime and sarcastically, but it's true. Like These first half performances are just bizarre. There's that many of them. Well, you look at their squad. Their squad is quite good in patches, but the one area that they're obviously incredibly weak in is fullback or wingback. And Conte's obsessed with playing three central defenders and doesn't want to change playing 3-5-2 or 3-4-3. If they could find a good right back and a good left back, I actually think Spurs' squad is quite well set up to play 4-3-3. But obviously they don't do that. Um, And they're just happy to play on the back foot and just try and hit teams on the counter. And their confidence is so low, Sons in particular, that they just... There's nothing there, is there? And I'm sure Harry Kane is... And this Kane's thing, don't you think it's like where we saw him popping up in left back? At the first half, on on so he's he's trying to do too much. I I just think it's got to the point where Kane, where you know, no, it, it best for both parties if he moves on. I I do think that you know, and, and if they're left with a son, Richarlison, Kulusevski forward line, that could be that could be outstanding. You don't. I, I think that I think they've now got Richarlison there, and we saw at the World Cup. If if you can lead line for Brazil, you can certainly lead the line for Tottenham Hotspur. There's very loose parallels here between where Harry Kane's at and where Alan Shearer was at in his Newcastle career because they challenged for the title for a couple of years, didn't they? And then started mm. falling away a little bit and Shearer stayed put. And he will never say that he regrets that because it was his hometown club. He, and he definitely does. Newcastle. Yeah. But he definitely does. And he, people not from our generation look at Shearer's goal record, but they always say, well, he didn't win anything. And I'm sure and he, and he did when he did it. He did win the league. Well, yeah, yeah with, with Rovers, but not yeah. with Newcastle, not at the time when he was probably at his absolute. And I, I reckon that Shearer now, if you look back, he would think John you know what I should have had three years at United and then got to Newcastle. Hmm? <laughs> and I think Kane might look at it like where I can have two or three years at Bayern and then come back and still have a chance of this Premier League record, possibly. You know, I think I think that's the way he's looking at it. You mentioned there, uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk Harry Kane more on future podcasts. You mentioned, though, Toby, uh, right back. Pedro Porro is a name linked with Spurs, name on the agenda for Spurs. Uh, Graham, I'll come back to you here. Where are, are Spurs going to do this this month? The the one to do it, he's, he's a top right back type. They have got other options, you know, Denzel, Denzel Dumfries, Adama Traore players they've liked in the past. But Porro is the one they want, and he's gone for... He's got a forty-five million pound release clause. Now Tottenham won't pay the full release clause, which Sporting are insisting. However, we've learned there are some within Sporting's hierarchy who are willing to take instalments. The fee would be the same, but just we've seen a few of these deals, haven't we? Over instalments. Um, but Amarin, the manager, just signed his new deal. He's very powerful right now. He's determined to keep the player till the summer. So it looks it looks a tough ask to get him out. 
Um, I haven't seen an awful lot of him actually, Scott, but I've spoken to scouts who think he could be very special, who like him a lot. So it's clear to see why they want him. But um, I think they will bring him right back in. But I think they're making sure that Poro is is completely done and dusted. If they can't get him, they've, they've gone down every avenue to try and do it. But I think that that's what they're trying to make sure that Sporting won't take it in installments. But right. as it stands, they're not willing to do it. Graham, what do you make of Jed Spence and his lack of football there? Um, he was never good enough to start for Spurs this season. Shockingly, I, uh, I said that to you guys in the office where you know, Middlesbrough had two right backs and, and and they gave the money for the left of the two as I joined at the time, who ironically isn't getting his game for Middlesbrough in a minute because of the way the shape is. But Spence, you know, he he was there was a reason he was on loan at Forest at the time. There was a reason Middlesbrough were willing to let him go. He's always had a few issues, but I'm surprised he hasn't been given that chance. You know, if it's if it's Spence or Doherty, I play Spence all day long. You know, Spence does have everything. Like if you're if you're listing everything you want for an attacking right back, he's got everything. Obviously, whether he's doing it in trading off the field, Scott, I would I would argue that the mm-hmm. fact he hasn't been given that chance by Conte, and we know Conte. He doesn't mind young players. If someone shows it in training, they'll give him a chance. But I would speculate at this point that Spence really isn't showing any content anything off the field, which is why he hasn't been given the chance. Let's move on to uh, Dortmund for now. Uh, Jude Bellingham is going to be another name you are going to hear a hell of a lot about over the next few months. You already are anyway. Uh, Liverpool interested. Plenty of teams interested. Why wouldn't they be? Uh, Manchester City. Real Madrid, uh, he has the choice. Basically, I think he can go anywhere he wants, right? But he's not made a decision yet, Graham. Is that correct? Yeah, it's as we as we reported over Christmas time. So he came back to England, talked to his parents. He's still thinking about it. He's just come back from Marbella, as we said. And 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 yeah, we understand he still hasn't given Dortmund a decision, but they're not rushing him. You know, there's quotes from Sebastian Kale have come out. We can read them on on, on the site where. He actually admits, he says, from a sporting point of view, we don't want to lose him, which is interesting. We've always said that staying at Dortmund is an option for him. Um, I think it's the first time Dortmund actually said, yeah, yeah, sporting-wise, we don't want to lose him. Obviously, they're not going to stand in his way if he wants to go. As you said, Scott, he's got a lot of options, and and I'm, I see things about United are being linked because they get top four, they've got the finances for it. But the thing about Bellingham, it's not it's not about money for him. Yes, he's going to cost a lot of money. Yes, he's going to get paid X amount of money. But he's going to get paid that same, roughly the same amount of money whether he goes to them three clubs you mentioned, whether he goes United, Chelsea, Athletic Club, wherever he goes, he's going to get a similar a similar money. It's not about the money for Bellingham. It's about the project. And I know we hear that's a very cliche footballing term, isn't it, about the project? we've Chelsea use it every day later. But this is very much is about the project for Bellingham. And, and from what I'm told, he genuinely hasn't made the decision yet. And... And as we can see, is he, I'm just suggesting here off the top of my head, is he looking at Liverpool and thinking, dear me, if I go there, if he's, if he if he comes out now and says, I've got Liverpool in the summer, is Jurgen Klopp going to be there? And we, mm-hmm. we we did suggest that in the thing where City have got that, I think City and City felt this in December, that they can actually say to Bellingham, you will work for Pep Guardiola for at least two seasons. We guarantee it because Pep is not going anywhere. For two seasons, um, same with Madrid and Ancelotti, he's not going nowhere. But Liverpool always had that thing, and and we got criticism when we did say that a few months ago. But look at Jurgen Klopp now, doesn't? And he's in what seven years is he there now? So it's a really intriguing thing with Bellingham. Um, but yeah, I say Scott, we're waiting for him to make his decision. 
as our Borussia Dortmund. And so they're going to sit down with him when he makes this decision. But as we stand now, we don't know where Jude Bellingham is going to be playing his football next season or beyond. Uh, let's just touch on Yusufa Mukoko as well, Graham, before we move on. Uh, latest on him, because he's out of contract soon. And yeah. what's the latest? Yeah, so as we, we reported last week that, that, that Dortmund had upped their offer to him. They made an initial offer of around about what um, Kareem Adeyemi was on, so mid-ranking, but he wanted money more akin to like some Matt Hummels and Marco Royce. And Dortmund are these teams where you have to earn your money not and you don't give it out straight away. They have up their offer so that the overall deal is worth around £10 million a season, which is sort of the air ballpark he was wanting, but that includes add-ons and stuff. And Sebastian Kiel, the sporting director, as we just mentioned, he's come out now and said, basically, this is the last offer we've given him it. If he doesn't accept it, we're going to part ways. So as well as Bellingham's future, we will find out about Makuku. And he's got a lot of interest as well, Scott. He really does. Um, you know, United like him, Barcelona, Newcastle. He's a he's a terrific prospect. Um, and so, yeah, we'll find out. I imagine with him, we'll find out before Bellingham. Within weeks, we'll find out whether Makuku is leaving or not. Plenty of options, as you say. Uh, let's let's move on because I haven't spoke to Toby for a little while. Uh, a little bit of irons in the fire here, Toby. I do want to do a, an extended section on West Ham today because, obviously, as I'm sure people have seen over the last 24 hours or so as we record this. Declan Rice is on the agenda again. He's always going to be, especially as West Ham are doing terribly at the moment in no no uncertain terms. Declan Rice has stayed at West Ham and it was always going to be this summer, really. We we always thought it was going to be this summer that he would end up leaving. And especially now that West Ham are really struggling, this is Declan Rice having outgrown West Ham. Arsenal interest, Chelsea interest has been there, but, but Arsenal, the latest team on the agenda. Yeah, it's always been talk of Chelsea, Man City, Man United and Liverpool being in the race for Rice until now because Arsenal weren't really in the picture because of how they've been performing in the Premier League. But look, they're top of the table, playing exceptionally well under Mikel Arteta and that has allowed them to reassess their targets and profile of player that they're going after. And barring an absolute disaster, Arsenal are going to be in the Champions League next season, which we know Declan Rice wants. He said that publicly to play at the highest level. And there's every chance that Arsenal could win the Premier League title. So it's a project that would now appeal to Rice. And as you say, the the very slim, less than 5% chance that West Ham had of keeping Rice has all but gone because they're playing so badly this season. They're in a relegation dogfight. Yes, his contract um, officially ends in 2024. West Ham have an option to make that an extra year. So they've got two years worth of value to get out of Rice. And then it's it's probably a case for West Ham of trying to get as much money as they can. They have publicly declared that he's a £100 million player in the past. And if they stay up, I would anticipate that that's a figure West Ham would still look to achieve for him. Arsenal would be able to play with that kind of money now. I know that they backed away from the Mudrick deal because of the how the payments were going to be um, set up. But a deal could be there for Declan Rice. And look, they're an appealing opportunity, probably more so than Chelsea, who we've long thought Rice might go back to. Um, it's actually Arsenal now who you'd look at it on the surface and think he'd actually fit in there as well. He'd really beef up that Arsenal midfield and they would have great depth 
moving forward. And if anything, they could build kind of the spine of their midfield around Rice. Obviously, just a quick note on Arsenal as well, Graham. Uh, they have missed out on Mudrick, obviously, but they are still looking. Uh, Mikhail Arteta has pretty much said that as well. They they are looking for another option up there. Who might they be turning to next? Yeah, they've been offered a lot of players. They are talking to clubs as well. One club we talked to is Barcelona. A lot of people were putting the Rafinha thing out there, but it's just not a matter of Edu speaking to clubs saying who's available and you would talk about a lot of players. The one interesting player at Barcelona we should keep nine is Ferran Torres. We've done a story on this. He's a player who Arsenal have liked for a long time in before he left City. Mikel Arteta knows this boy well. I think he is the perfect fit for Arsenal. I really do. Out of all the players linked, like Ferran Torres under the radar could be a sensational pickup for Arsenal. And this is a player who knows he's in and out at Barca, not because of his not because of his talents, just because of the the way they Chelsea like business where they signed that many players there's just no room for him he, he impressed at the World Cup he was good but I think under Arteta at Arsenal I think Ferran Torres could be an absolute masterstroke I really do and keep an eye on this this one could happen it's got chances Barca could loan him so yeah um, Torres I think could end up being the one that City that Arsenal turn to and I'm not saying Mudrik, I, I, I like Mudrik we spoke about him before but Mudrik isn't better than Torres at the minute Torres is every bit as good as Mudrick as it stands, if not better. I have to make sure we get that one clipped up, just because uh, I think I don't I, disagree. Personally, I think I think Mudrick but... could Mudrick's got possibly got a higher ceiling. Yeah, but I say as it stands now, Torres he's got Premier League experience because he, he only left City because he wanted to go to Barca. He wasn't because he was failing. He just didn't give it a chance. And obviously, we know Pep. If you demand to leave City, he's not going to keep you. That's just the way it is. But you know, he, he knows Zinchenko. He knows Arteta. The way they play. Despite, I I just think when you, it's a strange one now where they might actually stumble upon the perfect signing. I really do. Fits the profile as well. But let's let's uh, obviously Arsenal top of the league doing very well at the moment. West Ham not so. We'll jump back to West Ham for some more irons in the fire. Where do you want to take us, Toby? Because it should be irons in the coals because there's not much fire at West Ham at the minute. Yeah, irons in the coals. No, you can you can say fire because there's flames all around them, right? (laughs) It's it's like that meme, right? You know, this is yeah, nothing nothing happening here. Keep going. (laughs) Well, where to start? There's off the field. David Moyes' position number one as manager is under serious threat, Um, and to address the problems on the pitch and the potential signings. West Ham need to probably make a decision about who their manager is going to be. And they've wanted to stick by Moyes. They haven't wanted to get rid of him. He's obviously led the club to two hugely successful seasons and has a lot of credit in the bank. But this is pretty desperate now to lose 12 of the 19 Premier League games that West Ham have played to be in the drop zone with the calibre of player they've got in the squad. It's a serious, serious concern. Um, And with other clubs starting to pick up results as well. We understand, Graham, that those conversations are happening. It's a bit of a split right now as to what to do. And ideally, they wouldn't want to make that change. But signings might have to go on the back burner while they decide what to do with the manager. Yeah, I think they are looking at signs as well, TC. But as you say, I think Sullivan's very much in your camp where in an ideal world, he wouldn't get rid of David Moyes. He likes him. I say he's got a lot of credit in the bank. He's done a fabulous job for West Ham. But that'll all be for nothing if you do go down and... You know, and, and let's not beat around the bush. West Ham are in a big relegation scrap now, losing to Wolves and, and not just losing to Wolves, Toby's out the weekend, but they were the better team by far, weren't they? 
And yes, yeah, it's, it's the meek manner of West Ham's performance. Yeah. They keep conceding the first goal, but they don't look like getting back into games. They're not creating chances. And you look at the players who are on the field, you think, why aren't they creating chances? So confidence is obviously through the floor. Um, and you, that's when you look to the manager for inspiration, you look for something a little bit different. And I think West Ham have just become a bit predictable. Teams have worked out how to play against them. And at the moment, conceding that first goal, they don't have the ability that Spurs have shown. I know we've spoken about Spurs' bad side, but they've come back in a lot of games and they've managed to pick up a lot of points. West Ham just don't have that in them. They've only scored 15 goals all season, which is a big worry when they forked out for Paqueta, Skamaka. Like when Skamaka on the bench on the week, I did worry about your team. When Skamaka was on the bench, I thought my, my eyebrows did raise then. And, but it's this situation with the manager, isn't it? We've seen Wolves appoint the Petrigo, a world-class manager. We've seen Villa appoint Emery. Um, we see West Ham do have an interest in a Spanish manager, Rafa Benitez, we understand, but uh, is he the best of a badge bunch, Toby? You know, he's he's not in the same class as them two at the moment. And um, and what we've been told that is an issue with West Ham. There isn't a there isn't an ideal candidate out there, is there? Really, Toby? We know from my understanding, they've spoken to managers on the continent. We don't know who that is, but it's 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 not an easy pick for this next manager, is it? Well, they've played themselves out of going for what you would consider to be a top tier manager, finishing sixth and seventh in the last two years, getting to a Europa League semi final you could dream of appointing someone like a, a Mauricio Pochettino or Thomas Tuchel. Where West Ham are right now, they obviously wouldn't even consider talking to West Ham because of the threat of relegation and the fact that they've taken so many steps back. West Ham's best hope this season is to probably finish 12th or 13th. So no European football next season unless they win the Conference League, which is feasible, but what do you prioritise? Obviously staying up in the Premier League because of the money that's associated with it. And that then leads you down the path of, well, are you bringing in a manager just to stay up? Is it a short-term appointment? Who do you go for? And ultimately, what are you looking to then do in the next couple of years? So does Sean Dyche come into that bracket? Possibly. Does Rafa Benitez come into that bracket? Not so sure. He's probably somebody that you'd look Very at. Very similar to Moise, aren't they, Toby? That's the problem. And that's the whole problem, isn't it? And when, you've yeah. got, when you build this team around Skamaka and Paqueta, you need someone who can use those. And... <laughs> And 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 Rafa, who you'd point Rafa Benitez, um, deemed Ivan Tony and Mitrovic not good enough. Now two of the best strikers in the Premier League. So, so does you worried? Is he the manager? Is he the best manager to get out of Skamaka? I, I would worry about that. This was my concern in the summer. I think when we had Julian Laurent on to talk about Lucas Paqueta joining West Ham, I said at the time, and I think Julian said it as well. West Ham need to adopt and change their style of play because they have to get the most out of these signings. You don't drop £50 million on a player like Paqueta and then not play to their strengths. Same with Skamaka. And you look at Skamaka, all his goals came with his partnership with Raspadori. That's how you get, it's like the Quinn and Phillips, that's how you get the best out of Skamaka. And they've just never played to his strengths, Toby, ever. You say all Quinn of, and Phillips. <laughs> yeah. All of his goals, Skamaka, for West Ham, have come from outside the penalty area. So he's coming deeper to get the ball, to get involved in play. And look, one thing that West Ham supporters look at is how negative West Ham are. They play on the counter-attack. They have the lowest defensive line in the Premier League when you look at it. So they're always on the back foot and they're kind of inviting that pressure, going behind, and then they're not able to get out of it. And Skamaka and Paqueta, between them costing almost £100 to not play to their strengths and not look to get the best out of them, I 
it's a misstep and West Ham now need to figure out who the right person is if it isn't Moyes to maximise those two's ability because that will get them out of trouble. If they're able to do that, West Ham should stay up. We'll see if uh, everything stays as they are, uh, as it is now. I think West Ham and Everton might be having a battle for the ages. Do we? I think they're having that battle for the ages anyway, but it's just whether so each manager will fact, be... What a brilliant game that is, though, isn't it? That's going to be... It's, it's not going to be a brilliant game because I'm going to be there. And I really, really don't want to go now because it's going to be that horrible atmosphere where everything's on a knife edge. As soon as there's a misplaced pass, there's going to be moans, groans from both sides because obviously Everton fans are sick of what's going I think, on. I think, I think it's one, one of the few returns to West Ham that Frank Lampard might enjoy it, but at least least amount of stick he's had in a number of weeks. <laughs> that might be the most depressing game of football. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA, members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. We've seen this season. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, any other notes on West Ham, Toby, or should we move on? Well, they're looking for a striker, as we've alluded to. They do want a third option and... Terem Moffi from Lorient is one striker that West Ham have looked at. But a number of clubs want in Nice are trying to keep him in Liga. Uh, Everton and Southampton have looked at him. Nice did, so, by the way, just a quick one. Did you see Nice's results at the weekend and who were the star in the star turns? They won by, scored six with uh, two from Barkley, two from Pepe and Aaron Ramsey getting a few assists. I did notice that. What, what a spectacular game it was. 6-1, six, 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 I think it was. Is that the first game of the post-Lucien Favre? Yeah, it was Barkley, Pepe and Ramsey. I don't know who their manager is, but go and get him, TC. Sounds like a genius. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to a bit of Chelsea, a bit of Newcastle. Let's do Newcastle more uh, to start with. Uh, Chelsea have... I need to frame this in in a Chelsea sense because they have 35 players listed on the Premier League website in their first team squad. Uh, that's a problem probably that they're going to have to address at some point unless they think they can get by with a squad of 50 players, the rate they're, they're signing players at the moment. Uh, Hakim Ziyech has been offered to Newcastle. Graham? Yeah, he's been offered around. Uh, Milan and Ajax, who are both in for him, are both backed away. Newcastle are in the market for some experienced players to help this push for a top four place now, which is what it is. No, we've seen the links with Gallagher. He's a player who they tried to sign last summer. He's not going there now. Um, from what I'm told, Chelsea have no ambition of helping Newcastle's top four um, push. And that's him counterintuitive there where they're letting him have Ziyech. Because, yeah, Ziyech is not in Chelsea's plans. He's not in Potter's plans. And if Potter leaves him next manager, we don't foresee him being part of his plans. So um, getting Ziyech off a wage bill is one of those. Um, Loftus-Cheek as well offered... You know, Newcastle just asking the question as they did with Pulisic before. So there is a line of communication there between St James's Park and Stamford Bridge. But with Newcastle, it is a bit of an issue with Newcastle pushing for, for this place. So, yeah, there is a bit of an interest there. I think Newcastle would do this. Um, Zayic on loan. I think it'd be an interesting signing for them. You know, he's not obviously not part of Eddie Howe's long term plans. They, you know, James Madison's one they really want. And players like that. But I think Zayic could be an interesting option for them. You know, they've got obviously Amir on. And Sam Maximum, most overhyped player in Premier League history. Um, and so I think Zayic could um, offer them something a bit different for that running. You know, I think it's a clever one. And, and in terms of setting midfields, or we'll talk about someone else um, they're potentially looking at. They, they want that experience in midfield. You know, Bruno, from what we're hearing from, from the club, it's not a massive problem with his ankle. Maybe a week to two weeks for him. 
Um, you won't you won't be relieved to hear that, Scott. As you were hoping for a bit more long term, I think for that top four battle. Um, but no, yeah. So Zayich is a possibility on loan. No more than no more than that. Chelsea would like to sell him. Obviously, get his wages off for, off completely. But yeah, as it stands, there is an interest there from Newcastle. But they are looking around at other options as well. You mentioned uh, midfield options. Uh, Ruben Neves. Graham. Yeah, one of my favourite players, Scott, as you know, I absolutely love him. I thought he was brilliant against you, Toby. I thought he absolutely ran the game, dictated it. And yeah, Wolves are saying to suitors now, look, we're not selling them this January. And and that it's hard to see them selling, isn't it? Because if they sell him and go down, you could come back to that. We know they are signing three midfielders, Wolves. They've done the deal for Lamina and they want Joao Gomez and Saravia from PSG. But that doesn't mean Nevis is going anywhere. I think um, Gon- uh, Goncalo Guedes is the one they're willing to get rid of. Um, so yeah, there are a few. Can more I just teams- express my surprise at that? By the way, <laughs> I, it's not. I, I don't. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember whether I said anything about that, but I think. I think every did, time yeah. I've watched Goncalo Guedes, I've just been a bit. You don't know why you play when you watch. What do you do, you do mate? Yeah, you don't know what position. You know, where, where are you? Where are you trying to play? Where are you playing? You try to work out what the manager's told him, and you can't do it, can you? Yeah. Um, but never yet Newcastle do like Ruben Nevers. He's one who I think was more of a summer thing, but they're looking now as well. Possibility, you know, with Bruno um, being injured, no, but they do like him. Liverpool liked him. Remember, Liverpool tried to sign him towards the end, it was the 1st or 2nd of September now, when they changed their mind. So there's a lot of teams who were tempted by Nevers, just not pulling the trigger yet. And I think to get in this January, you would be an awful lot of money and something that Liverpool and Newcastle uh, won't, be, won't be willing to do. Um, and yeah, I say Wolves are standing firm, but yeah, there is new um Tottenham as well, have shown a bit of an interest in Neves. Obviously, a long term United tag at one point, Scott. I still think he'd uh fit in nicely there, but um, there's a Frankie de Jong alternative, maybe. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think Neves will go to somewhere, and I hope he does. I love him as a player, and he just I'm not disrespecting Wolves, he's just too good for Wolves. And I think when he does move, even maybe whoever it may be, I think we'll be getting a world class midfielder. I love him. He's only got 18 months on his contract, hasn't he? I dare say if he had longer, I wonder if he would stay for one more year to find out what a full season under Lopetegui would be like. Because I think that's been happening. It feels like we've been in that position with Ruben Neves for like ever. <laughs> it's, it is, it's like one more year. One more year. You know, I'm sure when I'm sure when he first when he first arrived. Uh, I remember when he came to the championship. I saw him for Porto. I saw him for Porto play Champions League, and then he went to Wolves in the championship. Yeah. You know, it, it's his sixth season. In England now, he's he's served his time, hasn't he? He really has. And the most surprising thing about Ruben Nevers, he's only 25. Yeah. It's just a slightly different feeling, isn't there? Lopetegui's profile is that much mm. higher than Bruno Large's. Bruno Large was a very uninspiring appointment. Mm. But he's, yeah, he's Lopetegui is a world-class manager, isn't he? And I think even people outside of Europe have a bit more respect for him than we do. We don't really see... Him as that world, but he is a world class name, isn't he? And no, it's a fair point, TC. I think, um, and and he's bringing the name. The names are coming in as well, aren't they? Nunes has, um, arrived as well. So or Cunha, I should say. Yeah, and Wolves are an interesting one, aren't they? Obviously, unfortunately, for you, TC, I see them pulling away quite quickly. I say the league table never lies, but I think it was telling a few parkies about Wolves. I think they're much better than their league position said. I'm. You might be listening to this after the, the the tie, but I quite fancy Wolves to beat Liverpool in the FA Cup on Tuesday night. Uh, we'll see see what happens there. Anyway, uh, speaking, of, I had to get Liverpool in there because we're going to talk about Brighton next, and they just smashed Liverpool. 
in the Premier League. Uh, I've heard it. I think Kieran Maguire was talking on Five Live last night and said it was the best Brighton performance he's seen in 50 years. You obviously didn't say the Middlesbrough performance, Scott. <laughs> uh, Liverpool are just in tatters at the moment. Uh, there's no Liverpool section in this today. Uh, it's all Brighton. But obviously, a lot of fallout on around Trossard last few days. Obviously made his position pretty clear, been dropped from dropped from the mix, and Brighton are no worse off for it at all. Uh, there's notes uh, on Solly March, Colwell, and uh, Moises Caicedo as well. Uh, we can... We'll leave Caicedo to last, Graham, because mm-hmm. I do want to tie this back into Chelsea. I did say I, I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, Trossard, March, Colwell. Where are we standing with these guys? And first, can we just point out the, to all 90-minute readers who were listening to this that Scott did the team of the week this week. He was the one who will put one Brighton player in team of the week. So I didn't, thought... actually. I did two, actually. Oh, and sorry. my team of the week did not get picked. I thought it was yours. I thought it was yours. But anyway, how, how Matoma didn't get it. Was, I do apologize. I put Matoma and March in. I would have thought five. But anyway, yeah, Brighton was spectacular. I saw them in Middlesbrough. They were brilliant there. But then they did the same to Liverpool. So, yeah. So on on, on Brighton, Trossard, they are, fur- they are furious with this guy. You know, they, they had assurances of his people before the World Cup that he wouldn't agitate for a move. Um Arguably, they put the idea into his mind because that's exactly what the agents did as soon as he came back. And he didn't even have... It's not his fault. Roberto Martinez didn't do much with Belgium at all. So he came back from a World Cup wanting this move. And it's a bit... You know, he has to take for a move because he knows his interest there from Arsenal and Tottenham. He's one of those players who've been put to Arsenal in light of Mudrick going elsewhere. Tottenham like him, but Tottenham don't like him at the price Brighton are asking. You know, it, from my understanding, 25 million at least, maybe 30 to get him out and Tottenham are not paying that in January. We they're not they're not. Nobody is. And Brighton have told Trossard, you know, you know, you're only going on our terms. You're not just going to force your way out. And I think that's a very sensible approach, guys, because you know, with the likes of Casido, March, Matoma, if you see that someone easily agitates for a move, then that's going to cause a whole sort of issues for them going forward. Brighton are not they're only going to let him go if the deal is right for them. So I do wonder whether he gets out. I, I think I think they may struggle Tottenham because Tottenham are not going to pay that fee. I don't think Trossard is going to get out this month as it stands. I think Brighton will, will make an example of him, but don't need the money. And you know if it's and, they, and again another team are challenging for top six. Scott, um, realistically, they are playing such good football in the minute, and Zerbi has got them playing so well. I mean, Brighton really are probably top three best run clubs in the Premier League. You'd say in terms of how. Mm-hmm. Everything from the very top down works. You 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 see that you lose Graham Potter, you replace him with arguably a better manager. The recruitment policy is always spot on. They've recruited players from Argentina. You take Alexis McAllister, who not a lot of people had heard of when he came over. They signed other players from Argentina uh, and South America over the last year or so, more recently as well. And these players play well on the pitch. Their coach coach maximizes their potential on the pitch. They their value skyrockets. They can sell players like Ben White for fifty million, Cucharella for sixty odd million, and people are like, "Wow, that's ridiculous, isn't it?" But then that money goes back to Brighton, and they get to a position where they don't need to sell Leandro Trossard if he kicks up a fuss. And in the process, they've replaced him with a player who's possibly just as good. And also, he taught Moises Caicedo as well. They have absolutely no reason to go under the valuation of what they feel he's worth, mm. in yeah. whether, whether that's now or the, whether that's in the summer. 
100 percent Caicedo, I'm told it's no less the 70 is the bare minimum, Scott. And people raise eyebrows. They got 60, 62 million for Cucciarella. I mean, on that basis, Caicedo should be hundred. Um, so yeah, nobody's paying 70 for Caicedo. He has changed agents, Scott, and Brighton are aware of that, but he also knows what the club have done for him. But when you go through the talent they've brought in, Scott, you know, we've seen Mitoma, who is now at the moment, I think he's a form player in the Premier League. He is so specialist boy. He absolutely wonderful player. And there's a couple of other ones that brought Evan Ferguson, the, the Irish lad from Bohemians, really good Premier League player. And the, there's a Paraguayan boy we haven't seen much of, who I'm told might be the best of the bunch in Kiso. People are really, really excited about him. But yeah, into but in terms of um, one of the homegrown talents, Solly March, um, he he has 18 months left in his deal. Probably I could be Robert Bills as favorite player. He's he's gone up a level, hasn't he? Since Pot- he was good under Potter. But now he's stepped up this level and Brighton are aware of this. They know there is some interest. Dan Ashworth likes him at Newcastle. Eddie Howe loves him. He's that sort of character, isn't he? You can see him under Eddie Howe. He's exactly the sort of player. 18 months left. And he's also under Radar Gareth Southgate. And um, sorry, match. And I put him in. I almost put him in my England squad, didn't I? My long-term selection before the World Cup. But he's playing so well. So they are due to open contract talks with him, Scott. We've done a story on this. The due to open contract talks with Solly March. He's got 18 months left. Um, so, yeah, they'll reward him for his progress. Levi Colwell, um, one of my favourite players. As you know, he'd be my 11, Scott. You know, Levi, I've always sung his praises. Since I'll tell you what, Graham, you've got more than 11 players in this 11. I have, I have. But Colwell was always there. As you guys know, I've always I trumpeted him up. I said he would play for England. And he's under Gareth Southgate's gaze as well. Brighton would love to sign him permanently. We don't, at the moment, Chelsea are saying, no, it's only a loan. So they are looking into keeping him for another season on loan. And that would make sense from Chelsea's point of view because if he went back to Stamford Bridge, was he 10th in line, probably centre-half. By the Sheely, he's already signed a seven-and-a-half-year deal, left-sided centre-half, which, you know, he's a good player. Is he better than Levi Colwell? I'd say no. Personally, but I'm biased. I've always liked Levi Cole. I think he's an outstanding defender. So yeah, they're working on those two. And then I said Caicedo, um, on him, Scott. Yeah, they not necessarily in terms of a new deal, but they're making sure that um he won't be leaving in January. I I I said I don't think as it stands, Brighton will lose anyone in January. Alexis McAllister just signed his new deal. He's not going anywhere. Um, and let's see where where they finish. You know, um, the sky's the limit at the moment for this Brighton team, isn't it? I think. Well, Danny, even even Danny Welbeck's playing well now. I wonder, are Ferguson Welbeck did they have enough firepower to get into the top six, top four? That's but, always I mean, been the question for Brighton, but it's working at the moment, right? And he's getting goals out of these players. Now, that was the thing with Potter, where his from, from in between box to box, they were great, weren't they? But the goals was always the issue. But now um, they're looking fabulous, yeah. And I say well-run club, and and because they're such a well-run club, Scott, they're not going to be bullied into selling anyone. They're not going to allow someone like Trossard to force as well at the club unless it's a deal for them. And that all stems down from what you say, Scott, from, from a hierarchy down. They're all, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet. Speaking what? of well-run clubs, go on, Toby, did you want to make a point? Right, I was just going to say on Brighton, we talk about how well-run they are. This extends to off the field as well. This isn't just transfers. They've been a Premier League team for, what, six seasons now? Look at Brighton's infrastructure. Look at Brighton's training facilities. Look at what they're doing with their women's team. They have a vision and they're clearly trying to get somewhere. 
and it's not a project that they're willing to compromise for expenses. That's the thing, isn't it, with Club Toby? When you when you when you take um, West Ham, we're talking about changing systems and stuff. Brighton, no, you take one coach out and you put another one in. That's that's a well-run club. That's a club with a vision. What we're doing, where as West Ham, we're talking about. Well, if we bring a manager, he's going to have to change the system. He's going to have to do this and that. That it's it, and and I think that's the difference between the foreign. It's the foreign pro, foreign thing we're seeing at Brighton, where you have a director of football, they sign the players, which a lot of people don't like. But when you get a Brit, more of a British ideal at West Ham where when you change managers you end up changing half the backroom staff and half the upstairs and but this is why the director of football approach and the foreign system makes so much sense where yeah Brighton weren't weren't didn't want to lose Potter but then it's just bringing in another high class coach to replace him it makes so much sense the the, the philosophy thing is makes a massive difference as well because you know the exact type of coach you're trying to get mm. you know Absolutely. so when you lose Potter you go and get Roberto De Zerbi who is you know, even in the years past, people were raving about Deserby. Uh and for anything, it was a bit of a get when Brighton actually got him for me. Think, think did Todd Burley might go back off a few million and swap deals for Potter? Maybe see. this. I did. I had a lovely segue, but Toby was Toby was talking. Oh, Speaking of well-run clubs, who's he going to? Chelsea. Oh, I know. <laughs> so we talked Moises Caicedo. Chelsea won every single player in the world. I did just want to get you guys' thoughts on this because... I love this Man U fan taking the mick out of every other club in the Premier League for being badly run. It's great. I have first-hand experience of it. If I I see it happening again, I'm going to call it out straight away because I know exactly (laughs) what happens. This is Man United all over again, but worse for me. Maybe maybe Chelsea get it right. Maybe they land on one player who's an absolute star that makes the difference and maybe Mudrip is that guy. But... Or, uh, according to form in the last few years, can somebody check if Baba Rahman's still on Chelsea's books? Because Chelsea have bought players in the in the past for lots of money and not got the most out of them. And now their fans are calling Kai Havertz. Timo Werner was meant to be the next big thing when he came in from Germany. They absolutely ruined his career. He's gone back. Kai Havertz... I always like Kai Havertz and Chelsea fans are giving him a lot of stick now. And you, you're going into like, you have 35 players in your first team squad. Players will leave. Yes. But you're giving them seven, eight, probably nine, 10 year contracts down the line. I don't know. They could get crazier. What if these players don't deliver? What happens then? It is a thing. And, and, and we talked about Declan Rice before. So, I think we wrote about this in an article where, one of the big things that Chelsea need to do at the minute is get Mason Mount tied down a new deal. And and you do wonder, obviously he's turned down one deal. Is he what's he thinking at the moment, you know? Obviously, and it, and, and we're not saying if Mason Mount left that Declan Rice wouldn't sign, but they are best friends. They they are looking at the running of the club. Declan Rice is talking to Mason Mount. Of course he's his best friend. He's got he he, he wants to know what's going on at Stanford Bridge. So that's one we need to keep on as well, guys, this Mason Mount situation. I think that'll tell us a lot about what's going on behind the scenes, Scott, if Mason Mount commits his future to the club. I mean, I think that'll be that'll be really telling. And, uh, yeah, I, I still don't think we've seen the last of this Chelsea stuff, Scott. I, say, I, I think Graham Potter won't see out the season at Chelsea. I think they'll get rid before the end of the season. And that's much to do with, with, with his failures as well. But, yeah, and, and, and these signings, Scott, yeah, it's... Um, how can any manager succeed with thirty-five players? Yeah, but yeah, he had Graham Potter. Is but how can any manager succeed playing eight formations in eighteen games? 
So that Chelsea squad, yeah, thirty-five players. That that there's still a top four team within that thirty men who are there now. There's a there's a top four team there, and if Graham Potter can't see that, then he isn't the right man for the job either. But it, what 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 is Potter's vision at Chelsea? What, what's he trying to play? What's he trying to do? He, you know, I say if we bought if we bought like Tom last week, we asked him. He couldn't even name what formation Chelsea going to play, let alone name a one to eleven. It 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 he needs to go. I don't know, Graham Potter. If he if he has got a vision and a system, he wants to put in place. He needs to do it. All, all I, I'm I hearing, see, I see a system. All I'm hearing is Chelsea have this long term vision. They're giving out mm. long term contracts, and then they hire Graham Potter months ago, and already the long term vision, the six year, five six year contract with Graham Potter, is already at risk because he's not doing it when his, his squad is bloat, more, bloated more than I've ever seen. Toby, uh, what do you think? I think he's chopped and changed formation so many times because he's trying to appease the backlash. Every time Chelsea draw or lose, it's the end of the world. And he probably feels like he has to do something because if he doesn't, he's going to get slated for that. Um, there are failings on him for sure. The way Chelsea are playing and how easy they are to play against right now falls on him and the coaching staff as well as the players. But I do agree with Scott completely. This transfer policy and the circus that comes with it it's just an unwanted distraction. Sure, they're bringing in some good players, but it's just there cannot be a plan behind this. It is throw as much mud at the wall as you can, see what sticks and hope for the best. I think we've said that on various podcasts in the past. They just need to get to the summer. They need to give Graham Potter until the summer. I agree with you, Graham. I'm not actually sure he's going to see it out, but he should. And then they have to reassess. They've got to get rid of nine, ten, eleven players. Um, How do you do that when players have eight-year contracts? Well, they're going to be stuffed in a few years' time, aren't they? We said this when we were chatting pre-pod. If Mudrick doesn't work out, if Badashiel doesn't work out, if Fafana doesn't work out, they're all great players, and we think that they will. But if they get two and a half, three years into Chelsea's, into their Chelsea career, and then a bright new thing comes along and they're better than them. They've still got four, four and a half year contracts to see out. Guaranteed money, guaranteed contracts. It's not as if you can. But we've seen, we've seen, it, we've seen it with Pulisic, haven't we, guys? Who's who's on Pulisic? Who's on over two hundred thirty thousand pound a week at, at the bare minimum? And and even though he's got clubs interested, like in Newcastle, they, they they're not going to take him. He's he'd be on more than hundred grand, hundred grand a week than his nearest thing. And I think yes, let's not let's not look around the bush. The the elephant in the room is they're doing this to get around FFP as well. We know that. Um, that loophole will get you in if it is that that loophole will get you closed very quickly. Um, when Chelsea doing stuff like that, but as we're saying, they're getting stuck with these players now. The as we spoke, as I you try to get rid of him, it's not easy. Pure is that the, the pure situation on huge terms, so they haven't learned the lesson. We know that TC, and um, yeah, these players are it's a, it's a huge risk. We've seen, for instance, look at only recently, Kula Bali looks a shadow of the player yeah. who was at Napoli. It wouldn't surprise. It wouldn't surprise me if he's back in Serie A this summer, but yeah, it's you can't you you can't know how these things are going to turn out. And Chelsea, though, it's it's a strange one. He's buying all these young players as well, but he's buying all these young players as well. But this is one of the best run academies in the country. It's full. It's full of great. You know, Levi Colwell, for instance. You know, Mason Mount, Conor Gallagher, Reece James. Did it need pre- pu- pu- pushing up with all these extra? Chukwameka, etc. Didn't need all these extra players. It didn't. It seems like to me, like Chelsea have already got. And sorry, I, I just I can't get my head around this. this is why I keep talking mm. about it. 
Chelsea fans have already looked at Kevin De Bruyne and Mohamed Salah and Romelu Lukaku, who are in their club that they couldn't get the best out of in the years gone by. And they have turned into some of the best players in the Premier League in the in De Bruyne and, and Salah's case, some of the best players we've ever seen in the Premier League. And they have a problem with that. Now they double down on that, triple down on that, and they're spending 80 million, 50 million on these kinds of players. But in Ch- Chelsea fans, I don't know, but I imagine Chelsea fans, what they would love for the future is... The first four names on the team sheet to be James, Gallagher, Mount. Except that the home that's who their team should be built around. Mm-hmm. What who 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 in the world doesn't want their home their team built around hometown players? You know why why are you loving Marcus Rashford playing so well, Scott? Everyone loves a, a world class homegrown player, and and for, for Chelsea it doesn't look as if they're building their team around these guys, but they should be. Well, can I just name a load of forwards for you then? So Mudrick and Kunku. Don't forget he's joining. Yeah, in the he's song. joining as well. Uh, Jao Felix, Raheem Sterling, Havertz, Pulisic, Ziyech, Aubameyang, Rozier, Lukaku, Hudson-Odoi, Datro Fofana. They want Noni Madweke. So that's 12 players they've got. Only Hudson-Odoi is from the academy and he's almost certainly out the door, stroke, not going to get a chance. So where is there possibly growth for anybody in that Chelsea academy who is a forward to break through? It's basically a shut door, isn't it? Because when you add up all of the money that's been spent on those 11 players, it's got to be over 500 million, hasn't it? Mm. Which is insanity. But and, it works. and then you bring it back to Graham Potter. Graham Potter is the man in charge of that. And his entire managerial career has been based on developing players, working at smaller clubs and having an infrastructure and a plan. There is no plan with that. How can even Pochettino... He doesn't strike me as the type of guy to go and get that under control either. Anyway, sorry, we've been talking about Chelsea. Maybe maybe it works. Chelsea fans are really, really happy with the Mudrick signing, et cetera, et cetera. Seems like... He didn't look very happy. I haven't seen a picture of him smiling since he arrived at Stafford <laughs> Bridge, but I, I, that, that's been, yeah, it's been amusing. But um, um, yeah, fair, fair play to Arsenal for uh, for not being suckered in, but um, we'll see. We'll... Uh, See what transpires with them, but I say I think I keep that in fair and Torres, guys. I still think that's going to be a sensational one if Chelsea don't come in for him as well. Three more stories before we round off. Uh, Leicester are chasing a transfer target, however, had an offer rejected. Graham, yeah, to play we've been covering quite a bit. Nico Gonzalez, the Argentine winger, very impressive player, Argentinian national. He's at Fiorentina, they don't really want to let him go, but um. Say players don't move for money, but this guy's going to double his wages in the Premier League. So I'm not surprised he's already agreed terms with Leicester. Um, and and Fiorentina, one of these clubs aren't that they can they can go on about we're not selling, we're not selling. But they're, they're probably the most historical selling club in Europe, aren't they, Fiorentina? So um, yeah, I, we think this will get done. The player wants to move, and um, yeah, a top class top class player. If anyone can get hold of him, but yeah, um, and they need something. Leicester, I haven't seen them at the weekend against Forest. They need something. I was going to say, talk about a club who needs a bit of a refresh. Leicester's playing, to, well, their starting eleven is so similar to what it was. There seems to be no evolution in that team. It's still mm. Madison, Barnes, mm. hopefully Vardy does something. I mean, I said another pod top, actually. I think if Madison, it's a bit like Kane. I think if Madison does leave, will that allow Dewsbury Hall and Harvey Barnes to maybe stretch the wings a little bit? Next next player to run off uh, some leads have made a big signing over the last few days and they're after another one as well a world cup star Azadine Unahi who has uh, been one of the breakout well probably the breakout star of the world cup Graham 
Leeds are after him and have increased the transfer offer. Yeah, it's a strange deal, this one. He's at Ongers in France at the moment. He is available, but Ongers want him back for the rest of the season. So Leeds are offering 25 million euros, which is nearly their asking price. In 30 to 35, they want ideally. No one's paying that. And Leeds are putting the biggest offer. Leicester also made an offer of 18 that was rejected. Leeds are coming for with 25, but they don't want to leave him there. Obviously, Leeds, they, they've, they've got a huge relegation battle on their hands as well, and they want him now. The issue is that the, Napoli have also made an offer, but only 15 million euros. But they've said, yeah, you can keep him. And he's he's apparently, according to Italian media, he's agreed terms with Napoli already. And obviously not saying anything against Leeds, but the player seemingly wants to go to Napoli and not Leeds. Um, so, yeah, it's it's stuck in a bit of a standoff at the minute. Ongers, they haven't rejected Leeds offer yet because they want to keep him. They have said that Napoli want a bigger offer. And the player says, I want to... I want to stay first season, but sign for Napoli. So, yeah, it's a bit stuck, this one, at the minute. Um, but Napoli think they might get him. But Leeds are still pushing. They think if if it go high enough, Ongers will accept the fee. So, um, will the Premier League money count in this one? Maybe. But I don't, I'm not sure where he fits in at Leeds. I know he's a quality player, Scott, but, you know, they've got um, Rocker, Ty Adams playing well. Um, I'm not sure where he fits in as a third Central midfielder at Leeds, to be honest. Bit, bit mad, isn't it? That you could right now say, I might go to Leeds over Napoli when Napoli are one of the best clubs in Europe playing incredible football in Serie A. It's just they the... might be the best club in Europe at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the uh... money is so there's such a gulf yeah. um, that Leeds could be a more appealing prospect than playing Champions League football and playing with some of the continent's best players. I'm surprised that I'm, I'm personally surprised there's not more in England. We've seen Leeds and Leicester bidding for this guy. I'm surprised there isn't more in the Premier League after him, to be honest. Final story. Uh, we've already talked Chelsea being a bit crazy. Have they reached Nottingham Forest levels of crazy? Nottingham Forest have signed a 24th player. We spoke about Danilo, I'm sure, on this podcast before. Arsenal have had interest mm. in him, but Nottingham Forest have won the race and. Uh, He's spoken to Forest official channels. He's signed. Forest have had an upturn in form as well. Brennan Johnson with a couple at the weekend. Uh, so with Gareth Bale retired, Brennan Johnson's got to start stepping up and carrying Wales on his back. He's a good player this part. I don't know if you've seen him, guys. He's a really good player. This could be the best of the lot. And actually the 23rd, um, Gustavo Scarpa, also from Palmeiras. They've signed two of Palmeiras' best players. Obviously, they've signed Palmeiras' best player, guys, which is... As we know, your boy Hendrick. There we go. Mm-hmm. Terrific FM, FM knowledge there to say, yeah, Scarpa mm-hmm. and Danilo, two excellent signs. And Forrest, yeah, they've, they've shot up the table of late, haven't they? And um, good for my predictions, I did predict them actually not to get relegated. Uh, me too. Yeah. Um, yeah but I did, sure I did. And I did have Everton in there as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll avoid my title predictions, but my relegation ones weren't too bad. But yeah, this guy is really good. Um, I said 24th. We presume he's going to play in somewhere. Um, but Steve Cooper, yeah, they're um, he's starting to get. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Brendan Johnson as well, Scott. He's a you know, championship watcher. He was great last season, but I think he's just starting to play him in his right position, isn't he? Now, mm-hmm. and it, it's having a paying dividends. But Toby, um, looking very worried there with Forest, um, getting good players in. That you know, it, it you say that thing. You only have to be the fourth best team to stay up, Toby. But in Bournemouth are signing players. They've just signed a terrific player from Lorient as well. That, it's not easy this Premier League, is it, down at the bottom? I've been saying all along, 
West Ham should just be aiming to not be worse than three other teams. That's how you stay up. Great but, levels of ambition. Who, who are you yeah, putting down? Who, who's, who are you predicting bottom three at the minute? I'm Toby? looking. That's what I'm looking at as well. So who are you predicting? I like to say who do you think you fit? Who which three are you finishing above TC? So I still think Bournemouth are going to continue their trajectory downwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Southampton are struggling. I think keep Nathan Jones, and that probably um, stays that way. And then pff, it could be Leeds. It could still be Forest. Ooh. It could be everything. Right now, I would say Everton, but I have a feeling about Leeds. They yeah. shit too many goals. For, for yeah. me, for me, I'm looking at Southampton, Bournemouth, and either Leeds or Everton. Uh, as it stands, I'm going big three. I'm saying West Ham, Leeds, and Everton. As it stands, well, going. yeah. Take my blinkers off if I was looking at this mutually. <laughs> can I would, can imagine I would, if I would them, probably can, say West Ham as well. But can imagine if them three went though. So look at Scott laughing now. He wouldn't be able to keep it straight. If it was them three who went. Um, I wouldn't be happy as a championship fan unless we got promoted to season. I wouldn't like to see a financial disaster if West Ham and Everton in particular go down. Oh, yeah. And and Leeds as well. Would the fight, would the Leeds takeover go through? And having just spent Leeds, Leeds has spent, as we've got, £35 million on Rutter. <laughs> we we have to presume he's a relegation clause in there for his wages to go down, but hey. Um we'll see it. The amount of money being spent at the bottom of Premier League is incredible and it's not finished yet. I think the bottom six will probably be spending more than the top six at this rate, not including Chelsea, obviously. Has been an extended talking transfers for you today. Uh, lots that we've got through. Uh, we'll be back very soon to talk more talking transfers. Uh, follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey. You can obviously subscribe to the show on all your major podcast platforms and you can find us on I'd imagine you'll see something here on the socials as well uh, and on 90min underscore football, those socials too. So yes, uh, give us a follow on all of those. Look at 90min.com for all the latest transfer news to come out over the next few days until you hear from us again. And we'll see you soon. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to Talking Transfers. And thank you to Graham and to Toby. I've been Scott. Thanks very much. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24.